Welcome back to the Longevity Muscle Podcast. I'm Kenny, your host, and today we have joining us WMBF World Championship bronze medalist in the middleweight division, Agostino Russo. That is no small achievement. We get into his WMBF World Championship experience, his overall contest season and how that went, how he approaches his off-season training, his contest prep training. So let's get right into the episode. Enjoy. You did wonders at the WMBF Worlds. You came oh, in first place. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. First time. Very exciting. And uh, I was very nervous to yeah? compete, you know, with the, yeah, yeah, the best, the best in the world. So. So you are originally from Italy, of course. Were you born and raised in Italy? Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I moved to the U.S. when uh, in 2014. So. Okay, and what brought you to the U.S.? Um, my wife mainly. So she's she's from uh, Seattle, Washington. Ah, I yeah. see. So, yeah, so I received my undergrad. Um, in electrical engineering and after that i moved to the u.s and for fame and fortune fortune <laughs> yeah yeah for fame fortune and love yeah love yeah yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. what part of what part of italy are you from uh sicily sicily the island. Okay. yes yeah, yes beautiful yeah yeah it's nice nice man and we have history and uh it's nice in the summer too because uh uh, it's by the coast, so yes, yes. Because, uh, the water is crystal clear and yeah, it's quite, quite uh, the 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 view and yeah, the food and the history, uh, people. So, do you ever go back to visit or like? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I, do. I was there uh, uh, last summer, so for five weeks. Uh, it was quite nice. So I, I yeah, bring my kids and, and wife to see uh, their relatives because uh, everybody everybody in, is is still there in my family. So, okay. So how do you like the U.S., living in the U.S.? I love it. Yeah? Love it. Yeah, okay. it's my home now. And uh, I I am used to now to the, to the way of living in the U.S. and um, the culture and... Um, I really, I really enjoy it. Okay, that's great to hear. And your profession in the U.S. Are you doing the engineering, or are you just doing training? What's the job profile at the moment? Yeah, mainly is uh, electrical engineering. Uh, that's my main profession. Um, uh, I work with Boeing uh, and aerospace. Oh, so design. Nice. Uh, yeah, design uh, power systems for. Uh, airplanes commercial oh, wow. mainly yeah really cool yeah um yeah on the side i do coaching uh coaching too i don't have a lot of clients but um i laser focus on them so yes so you're uh an important guy with your job very important guy uh i hope so i'm a piece of the puzzle so good. that's good 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 keeps you uh with a high purpose and Let's talk about this world championships. Let's start there. So before that, you competed in the AMBF. I saw that you competed with Jeff Alberts, and you actually won. You came first place. Uh, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Of course. And then you, from that point, competed at the WMBF World. Is that accurate? 
Yeah, yeah, it's accurate. So the the first pro show was uh, Washington State Natural this year, 2023. Um, I placed the first uh, lineup with uh, four athletes, great athletes. Um, uh, Jeff Jeff Alberts came in second, uh, and then there were two other athletes, uh, RJ Franada, I believe, and uh, Tran uh was also uh was also part of the lineup yet yeah, uh, it was a fantastic show um and i'm attached to the washington state natural because i turned pro uh in the same very same show the previous year uh and then even before that in 2021 that was my first show i won my class middleweight but i didn't uh, i didn't get the overall Ah, so I came the following year, and uh, I finally received my pro status, uh, and then um, I won the Washington State Natural. That was my first pro show, and then yeah, Worlds was uh, five weeks after that uh, in Seattle, so I couldn't miss it because uh, I was at home. Yes, um, so that was uh, also fantastic. But that uh, wasn't your things. that wasn't your first WMBF competition, obviously, was it? Uh, no, my first WMBF competition was the uh, Washington State uh, Natural. Oh, so that is a WMBF as a pro. As a pro. As a pro. So, wait, a pro. I'm so I'm confused a little bit. The AMBF and the WMBF are two different organizations. Yeah, so the INBF is the amateur yeah. version of the uh, WMBF. Yes, that I'm aware of. But the ANBF, which is also what you, you, you competed in the ANBF, correct? Oh, no, no. Oh, no. that's, uh, you know what I'm thinking? Benjamin Schuster. I'm thinking about Benjamin Schuster in Germany. He oh, okay. oh, I thought you said INBF. Okay. Oh, okay, sorry, my mistake. So the INBF, Washington yes. State Naturals, is where you competed at before the WNBF Worlds. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. And that's where you turned pro, and then you qualified for Worlds. Right, yes. You need to, you need to uh, compete in a pro show in order to qualify uh for worlds uh, yeah sense. so the washington state was my qualifier yes yes okay that's uh that makes complete sense so from that point uh, so let's break down worlds for a second here because that was a really difficult lineup from what i saw and yeah. to third is no small accomplishment like that's a big thing so is that what you expected did you expect something different were you not sure what to expect give us your experience on that i didn't know what to expect okay for, for me uh, every show i don't know what to expect because you never know who shows up that's not yes. in your control okay but uh every show i did i did my homework 100 percent that's what you can control. Yes. Okay. Uh, so diet, nutrition, uh, so training, uh, rest, uh, that was all taken care of. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was at my best. Um, and that's what I did. Okay. I wasn't sure who was going to compete. Um, definitely, I knew some of, you know, the, the world champion, Bala Lekan, was uh was going to be there uh, and you know 
Uh, you, you go there to win. So you don't go there to get second place or third place. So no, no, no. So I knew he was going to be uh, potentially my opposition, but um, my competition. But um, uh, I had two other great guys in my class that, uh, yeah, deserve to be uh, ahead of me. So yeah. So now that's understandable, of course, given that it's also your first world championships. It makes yeah. sense that you're not sure what to expect either because that's arguably the most prestigious natural bodybuilding event. Right. Arguably, because some will say it's the Natural Olympia. Some will say it's the Yorton Cup. And others right. might say it's the Mr. America. So depends on who you're asking and what their experience is. But from what I've seen, it's up there as potentially the most. So depends on the year too, I think, as well. Depends on where these athletes are, where the athletes are competing. But nonetheless, let's talk about the fact that you. Well, first off, I, I before we because I want to dive into your training as well. But in Italy, did you also compete in Italy? A uh, very long time ago, I did a few shows when I was eighteen. Um, yeah, so like completely different. Um, approach back then we used to do things very differently that yeah i'm glad we don't anymore uh but yeah i got some my feet wet in the uh bodybuilding uh world so so yeah. competing and they also have wmbf in italy though correct they do they yeah. do i found out uh that they had wmbf italy later after i moved to the u.s ah yeah so i never i never thought that it was uh an option yeah uh i never knew that there, there were drug tested federations yeah um i wish i did earlier um well how old are you now uh agostino uh, 34 34 oh you're still young though you know it's you have lots of time still to do real damage uh, within the natural bodybuilding world because I hope so. yeah because i've heard uh well, not I've heard, I know that Jeff Alberts, for example, who you competed against, he won his pro card at 38 and he took quite a layoff before that. So imagine how much time still you have to really do damage. Right. If right. Yeah. Pro card at 38. Right. So that shows you that it's not a young man's sport necessarily, even though we see some of these young guys now yeah. coming into the ranks and they're doing damage. But I think it's because they have good mentorship like Dirk Emmerich is coached by Alberto Nunez. And he learned things really well from a younger age than maybe some other people who are getting into bodybuilding back in, let's say, the early 2000s, right? So I think this is making a big difference with the young generation coming into it and doing real damage. What do you think about that, though? I completely agree with you. We have so much more knowledge now about the sport that I wish I had um, back in my... 20s um but nevertheless it's all part of the journey you know i don't regret doing the things that i did and that's part of learning it's part of uh growing as an athlete um maybe the the, the new guys didn't have to go through the same mistakes that we went through yes you know sometimes we were like going all out and training really really hard and dieting really really hard but not uh in a good way not, smart. not the smart way correct yeah not very smart way so we're putting a lot of effort but not in the 
uh, not in the right areas. And um, but it's all part of the journey, and I think it builds character, anyways. So yeah, yeah, I know for um, sure. You know, I really love that basement setup you got. So for those who uh, are who are just listening, but eventually videos will come out. I can see at the corner of of, of where you are there. The WMBF poster with the two swords. I'm guessing that was recent. Yeah, so the two swords are uh, 2021 Washington State Natural. Yeah. When I took my class, I won my class, but I didn't win the overall. Um, and then the other one is uh, the following year when I won my class. And the on the side, uh, you can see like a shorter sword. That's the sword that I won um, by winning the overall. And the pro card in the middle. Okay, so that's the pro card in the middle. That's the pro card. It's really and, big. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a big pro card, and I framed it. Very proud. Yeah. Uh, on the left side, there is another show that I did uh, after winning my pro uh, pro card. Uh, it's the NPC Northwest Natural, and I won the overall in bodybuilding that year as well. Okay. So, nice. And yeah. you're representing Italy at the WMBF World, or were you representing America? No, I was representing America. Uh, okay. I have, I'm a U.S. citizen too, so okay. I have both citizenships. Uh, my decision to represent the U.S. was mainly because I competed in American shows, and uh, it, the WMBF U.S. gave me a platform to compete again. Um, I wouldn't have competed if um there were only like untested shows um but i found out that the, the wmbf had that opportunity that that option so uh, i took that opportunity and i decided to compete with them because uh they gave me the the option to compete again so right right oh, okay that makes sense let's see where do we want to take this next because well, first and foremost, the lean level of leanness that I saw Benjamin Schuster and Frederick Ibsen, they came in very, very lean. Do you think that this held you back, that you weren't as lean as them going into it, but you were quite, you were very full and you had, a, it shows uh, that you have a lot of muscle, but maybe not quite as lean as the other two gentlemen. Is that accurate to say? Do you feel like that's what it was? Um. I uh, actually have the impression from the pictures that I saw that uh, in terms of um, conditioning, it was close. Okay. Yeah, and, and conditioning was close, um, like the back shots and uh, front shots, um, some of the poses too. Um, in terms of conditioning, it, it, it was close. Ben was probably the most conditioned. Ah. of the three uh but i think what really made them stood out was the back shots um they were um, they had a wider backs and a little thicker mm. so that's why i um i think that um they they were ahead of me and you know that they deserve to be ahead of me right right do you think that these are areas that you can improve going into your next competition? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, more width, a uh, little bit more thickness in the back. Um, um, probably the shoulders too. Uh, some of my arms, 
um, just to match my legs. Uh, yeah, I think I'm. I was very strong in my uh, uh, my legs. Um, but yeah, definitely, I already started already working on the um, on those areas that I want to improve. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Room for improvement, and I'm glad that uh, I competed against these guys because looking at the photos, uh, I saw room for improvement. Okay, that's good. That's you, you compete and you always win. Uh, you don't see that. So. Right, right. So let's discuss how you're going to adjust your training to address these areas that you want to improve. And then we'll yeah. talk about how, well, actually, you know what? Let's do this in order. Let's talk about how you currently train. Like what was the training system that yeah. you used leading up to WMBF Worlds and break down the structure of it, maybe the split, the volume, the frequency. How do you like to do things typically? Yeah, so I uh, like uh, uh, low volume training, high intensity. That's really what I enjoy doing. So um, I train this year five times a week. So I wanted to improve the glutes mainly this year after I received my pro status. That helped with my conditioning as well from the back shots. The training splits that I like is usually back and biceps, chest and triceps and calves, and then I do quads and glutes. And then shoulders, hamstrings, calves, and abs. Is that five days in a row? I usually rest on Friday and and Monday. Okay. So I have yeah two sessions, rest and three, then rest and two sessions and so on. When I turn pro, I only train four times a week. Since I wasn't doing glutes, you know, I didn't add that in my routine. I had uh, the quads and hamstrings in the same session. That's the training splits. As far as Exercise, usually I do like five, four exercises per muscle group uh, for the, you know, the larger body groups and then three, two for the smaller ones, like biceps, triceps, calves. I do one set to failure per exercise. I warm up. Some people call them warm-up sets or feeder sets. I do one or two of those, depending on where I am in the session. Like if I'm warming up, it's my very first exercise. I usually go very light and then a subsequent set that's a little heavier that prepares you for the working set. And then, uh, yeah, go ahead. Because sometimes people say warm-ups and then they're pretty hard and in 10 sets, but... Like, is yeah. it a lot of reps in the tank that you're leaving? Is it really, truly a warm-up set? Or are they pretty yeah. close to failure? Like, are right. they, yeah, like, so, are they like three or four reps from failure or two or three reps from failure? Yeah, uh, the very first warm-up is very light. Yeah, it's very far from failure. The second, I call it feeder. It's typically, I will say, like five reps on failure. So it's preparing you for the working set. Like, you know, somebody from outside will see this set and think, oh, my, that's a working set. Mm -hmm. That counts, okay? I don't typically count it just because the level of intensity of my working set is really, really, really high, okay? So compared to that, is still a warm-up, okay, a feeder. So it's preparing you for the working set. If I train with someone, with my partner, Leandro, we typically do forced reps as well. So we go beyond the failure on some exercises, not all, 
Okay. And I should say, like, not every exercise that I do, I go to failure, like some compound movements. If I'm squatting, for example, like the back squats. Yeah, I typically keep like one rep to failure, you know, those movements. Mainly, mainly I try to go to failure, but, you know, on the safe. If I'm using machines or somebody's assisting me, I go to failure beyond if somebody is there. I might do some drop sets. Now I'm experimenting with the long length partials since there is a lot of interest in the in the research. So it's a yeah, bit of uh, of high intensity te- techniques, not too much because you you might stress your CNS too much and not recover for the following sessions. Yeah, that's understandable. You have to manage the fatigue relative that's- to how much frequency you're going to be doing as well. If you're training five days per week, it's not like you can go as much as you'd like as far as the uh, volume and intensity combined, right? Otherwise, you might not be able to recover in time for tomorrow's session, the next day's session. Exactly, exactly. Right, 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 right. Okay. I try to also space out the session so that I may do like shoulders, which is a little bit less intense than legs right after. Also that the training splits allows you to help with that and try to reduce the overlap as much as possible between muscle groups, right? So that's why I do back and biceps and then chest and triceps, reduce the overlap. It it will be better, at least for me, than doing, for example, back and triceps and then the following day do the biceps and chest, right? Because you have overlap from the previous session. Right. Um, Your triceps are are very fatigued. It might influence your pressing in a negative way. Right, right, right. right. That's understandable. Yeah, because, um, and what people I think should understand, yeah, of course, your triceps are getting hit when you're doing back, the long head, but that's not the same as stressing your elbow extension. Correct. Stressing your elbow extension with direct tricep work the day before you go and stress your any sort of pressing movement, that will have a very different effect, possibly negative, than if you don't do any sort of direct elbow extension work, which is what you're talking about and why you do it the way you do it, why you have back and biceps and chest and triceps, because it makes more sense for your arrangement. Correct. So you like to hit body parts one time per week as opposed to two? Is that what I'm understanding as well from your split? Yeah, mainly. Yeah, mainly. I tried doing um, multiple sessions for my shoulders. I tried to increase the volume as well and having two sessions, but I noticed that my progress was stopping. For example, I added two exercises in a following day. I noticed that my progress was stopping. And then I tried, okay, let's just add one exercise in this following session. And my and my progress improved again. But in that one exercise, you know, it translates to one working set because that's my style. So I just incorporated the exercise in my shoulder routine and I dedicate just one session to the shoulders and uh, add one exercise. It didn't make sense to come back and just do one working set and then you have to warm up. So you keep adding two more sets for warm up. I can just get it done in one working set, add that into my shoulder session. I'm already warmed up. So I'm going straight to the working set. That way you reduce also some of the, it's called the junk volume. It's uh, what's it referred to. Probably I'll keep experimenting, but as of today, that's mainly what I do. So as far as the improvements that you're looking to make, what are some of the things you're going to be adding in exercises, certain exercises? Is it going to be additional volume? How are you going to do things as far as your back? Because that's an area you want to bring up, right? Your back. And was there another area, your arms a little bit, you said? Yeah, arms probably and shoulders. Shoulders. Side delts, just to have that, you know, wider appearance when you're on stage and some of the quarter turns on the side poses. It's going to help with that. For example, 
example, for back, I introduced a session that's different from what I'm doing. Uh, most of the exercises that I was doing before were using supinated grip. So pull downs, bent over rows with supinated grip. I introduced also pronated grip in a different session. So I'm going to have like a training A, I call it, and training B every other week. Training B now is having more pronated grip, and that allows you to do some shoulder attraction instead of retraction. So that's what I'm going to focus on just to improve the width of my back. So it's similar in the sense that I'm going to do similar type of movements, but with a different grip and possibly a different width. So they mainly it's exercises. Yeah, I try to add the volume, but to a point because I track my progress. The main main way I track my progress if I am in a caloric surplus is uh, noticing in my rep count, my weights, you know, if they uh, increase over time because everything else is incorrect. You know, everything else is taken care of, like nutrition, rest, stress level. I know that everything is in check and now my handle and or measurement is how does my progress look in the gym, you know, when I actually perform my sets. Keeping the same level of strict form, what happens with my reps, with my weight? Is it improving over time or is it the same? So that's what I do. And then I try to reduce the volume and see what happens. And it is a constant progression because the maximum volume that somebody can tolerate changes over time, increases, right. reduces, you know, if you're in a a surplus and you stay in that surplus for a long time or you're cutting for a long time so it's something that i still track and yeah definitely that's how i approach my work uh, and exercises i think is the main thing just throwing more volume i don't think is the answer because if the exercise is not targeting and stimulating the muscle correctly for whatever reason i think you should definitely address that first i might change the exercise yeah for example like for shoulders this off season i already started i removed the lateral raised with dumbbells and uh, I'm doing like a cable version that's uh, primarily is to hit the side delt in the lengthen position and mid-range that you can do with a cable but you can't do with a dumbbell because uh, once your arm is perpendicular to the floor you have no tension because of gravity and you only have maximum tension when you are in the fully contracted position so but the, the cable allows you to have full tension across all the range of the movement and uh, for those listeners I think it's important to mention too, assuming you're adjusting the cable to where it's pulling, let's say your hand is relaxed, your arm is relaxed by your side, make sure that it's perpendicular to the arm, yeah. not all the way down at the bottom, because then it's going to be, well, not what you want. It's almost mimicking that of a dumbbell to some extent. To uh, some extent. I see people, I see people not make that mistake because maybe it's intentional, but if you're doing it for the purpose, like you're mentioning, you're going to want to bring that cable up. Correct. Because as soon as you have an inclination, you're going to reduce some of that tension because yeah. uh, the forces, instead of being perpendicular, uh, are going to be inclined. So you have an horizontal component, but also a vertical that's not helping. Uh, the vertical component is not going to help you. So you want to have minimized as much as possible. That's why you're saying to keep that uh, yes. perpendicular. Yeah, that's that's that engineer background, folks. And that's that's yeah. where that comes in handy because I've yeah. seen it too many times in the gym. I'm like, well, what's the, I? You sometimes you want to ask like, why? Why did you choose the cable? What was the main reason? And if they say because they want more tension in that lengthened position or at the, at the start of the movement, then you want to tell them, well, why don't you bring that cable up a bunch because it's too far down, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Engineering. 
definitely impacts the way I see biomechanics. And the second is my approach that is very, very analytical. Right. I measure everything. So, so give us some examples, some other examples. So you, you brought up the lateral race. What are some yeah. other things that you're thinking about from a mechanical perspective? Where does that come in handy or that you've noticed that, hey, I'm glad I have this background because this really helped me. If you have anything off the top of your head that you don't have to think too hard about. Yeah, I think that, yeah, the shoulder is the, the main one. Um, now I'm reading more about the long length uh, partials mm. uh, that I want to uh, implement in my session. And that makes me think, okay, how can I do this? Um, um, yeah. And so, so like I already noticed that, yeah, if you do back, you know, I can, I can definitely add that when I do like a pull type of exercise um, because I can just not fully contract uh, my lats, you know, toward the end of the exercise when I, you know, fail on the positive and just um, doing partial reps right. uh, in the in the long length and some of the uh, middle length um, of the exercise. So. Do you use mostly free weights or are you, uh, are you implementing machines as well for, like, for example, for me, like I tend to do more free weights for upper body, but machines for lower body simply because I noticed that upper body design of a lot of machines are not so favorable to the mechanics at least for me personally based on my structure and the way the machine is designed doesn't feel so good doesn't feel so natural but for lower body it's like a leg extension quite simple it's a hinge joint it makes sense and it feels great or a leg curl same thing leg press okay to an extent depending on the design of course but what about you like where are you implementing machines versus free weights and do you have a mix or do you favor one more than the other uh, i definitely have a mix in my session i think that both have uh, a place they have advantages and disadvantages uh strengths and weaknesses that we can utilize at our favor depending on uh what your goal is your biomechanics what your time um if you're cutting you know if you're in a deficit and you're approaching a show or if you are in a surplus and you have more calories you're stronger so those are all factors that you need to consider uh when you uh want to do one or the other um yeah definitely like a machine is it's not going to be as good as a free weight when you talk about biomechanics because free weights allow you to move uh, according to your biomechanics the way you're built so if they made machines that were designed you know just with your same length of the arm and with the upper body especially shoulder complex relative to your trunk i find that it gets a little bit more complicated to fit yourself into machines like for the reasons you mentioned whereas again depending on the machine and the and the body part like so i find chest presses is the like any sort of pressing machines i find that those are tricky like that that's a tricky to find one that fits really nice for your body for me personally and uh, my mechanics and how i experienced it back not so difficult i think but again it's depends it really does depend but what's your take on that yeah i completely agree with you uh yeah especially pressing i think i use only one machine for pressing that i that i like is um from arsenal strength is a chest press uh, horizontal yeah um yeah that one i like yeah I, I i completely agree with you not all machines are suited for your biomechanics so you have to strategize uh and understand what works for you uh yeah especially if you get a lot of stress in the shoulders that's something that you want to avoid um um yeah and my and i started my session for example with dumbbells that allows me to have the most freedom yeah. you know even more than a barbell yes um, yeah uh, i was using uh, i was doing a lot of barbell work during during covid 
um, because I had my own setup in my garage. Uh, and uh, I noticed that over time, my shoulder uh, was getting uh, stressed. Uh, and I attributed that to the fact that it's probably we have, you know, some imbalance. I noticed that I probably had some imbalances between left and right. Uh, and so the barbell kind of um, probably stressed one area uh, over another. And then I started developing some um, some shoulder pain. So that's why I switched to dumbbells. Um, and that's seemed to take care of the, the, the problem. So, but machines are very good when you're uh, cutting and you don't have the same amount of calories and right. you're approaching it all, it's safer. Yes, yes, uh, yes. So, Versus so. like picking up dumbbells for warm up sets and working sets or barbells with the plates. It can be exhausting, especially if you're doing three, four exercises like this. I noticed that. And I'm like, if I just had a machine, I could just uh, with the weight stack, selectorize, you could just pop, pop, pop. It's so much better, saves a lot of energy and decreases a lot of fatigue, I would assume. Yeah, especially the shoulder press. You know, once he gets to the, I'm not a very strong guy, but once I get to the hundreds and uh, it's it's a pain to get them up there. So Yes, yes. And unless you have somebody who's handing you the dumbbells yeah yeah <laughs> that would be nice right uh yeah. you've seen those videos with the bodybuilders they they have like a, two partners and one is handing him the 120 and the other guy's handing him the other 120 he doesn't have to do anything just sits in the chair and waits for the dumbbells to be handed to him yeah and that's a great movement you know from there you know that's... yeah yeah safer too i find that most I issues happen it's the first rep like because you're just getting it into position it's not the last yeah. with, with the dumbbell press it's like the first because if you can't get into the position well or you're you, you twist funny and you trying to get the dumbbells up pop that's how you can tweak something you got to be very smart with how you kick the dumbbells up and maybe even having someone if you're lucky that can just help you with that first rep to get you out of that weird bottom position where it's a bit too deep yeah 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 Com completely yeah completely yeah. yeah yeah that's my experience uh and i'm sure many others who are listening can relate to that one so but um as far as leg so you were talking about uh we were talking about like you so you basically do a mix of machine to uh, free weights. And just to summarize with the upper body, it's kind of similar. You're doing mostly free weights, uh, cables, dumbbells, and then lower body. Are you implementing more machines or are you also doing free weights? Like, for example, are you doing barbell squats and uh, deadlifts, for example, barbell deadlift, dumbbell deadlifts? Are you doing anything like this? Yeah. Yeah. Toward my off season uh, last year, yeah, the main movements for, for my quads were leg extension, uh, back barbell squats, uh, leg press, uh, and then toward the uh, contest, so maybe six weeks out, um, yeah, something like that. I removed the barbell squats and I replaced it with the uh, hack squats. Mm. Okay, so it's the the, the 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 reason that I mentioned is you know safety uh, and some of the, the 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 pain that I was getting in my lower back uh, just because the calories are lower uh, and your body is more sensitive, especially in the the joints. Um, yeah, I found the hack squats to be a great alternative. Uh, I like what you mentioned though earlier where you switch from the barbell pressing to the dumbbell and that seemed to resolve pretty much the issue. Is that accurate yeah. what you said? Yeah. What mm -hmm. you said? Yeah. So yeah. it's funny because like a lot of people think, oh, I have an issue here doing this exercise. Oh, something's wrong. I got to fix it. Maybe sometimes fixing it is as simple as changing the exercise and never going back to that one ever again. Go but ahead. like, right? Like I find that people get, they panic and hey, listen, some exercises are just not going to agree with 
your structure, your anatomy, and what you have available to work with as far as ranges and positions are concerned. So tell you what, don't think about it in a negative way. Just look for the ones that feel good for your body. Which exercises feel good for your body and match you well and stick with those and don't think something's wrong with you or that you're broken right away kind of thing, right? Yeah, this is because we have, we have been told so many times that if you want to develop good legs, you need to do barbell squats. If you don't do barbell squats, then you're not training as hard. Unfortunately, like if you can fit barbell squats into your routine, great, awesome. But if you can't, you know, there are alternatives. Uh, and uh, yeah, don't try to fit yourself into the exercise. Just find the exercise that fits you. You know, that's what I that I say all the time to everyone. There are great alternatives. And what's important in bodybuilding is stimulating the muscle. And uh, in the most efficient way, that means that if you get, get the most amount of stimulus with the least amount of fatigue, uh, okay, in your CNS, or in your joints or whatever that is that's the the, the the best outcome and that's the one you should pursue so i love that if you have more calories if you have, you know more recovery you know all the better do yeah. heavy compounds you know and um for example uh toward my second part of this the prep i wasn't doing any uh flat you know barbell bench press or complete deadlifts or uh back uh as i mentioned also the barbell uh barbell squats um but i was doing alternatives like uh, chest press and and you know, the uh, partial deadlifts, as I called it, sometimes I call it RDL, but uh, similar type of movement. So you, you want to try to keep all the um, maxim, maximum tension on the back. Uh, because of what I noticed is that if you do a complete deadlift, then uh, toward the end of the movement, you're basically using your legs. Right. So, But I want to keep it on my lower back. So that's why I limit... Uh, I limit the range and I keep the tension on the back. So, so I wasn't doing any of the three main movements, but you know, I think I got the stimulus that I was looking for. And the deadlifts are with the barbell, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. with the barbells. Yeah. So I'm. Yeah, I, just, I like dumbbells, but sometimes you cannot get the, the same amount of weight that you can get right. with a barbell. So I also find that well, depending on how you're doing it, and if it's from, for example, you mm. know, it's funny people will say like, "Oh, deadlifts from a rack." that's cheating or that's uh they might say like things like uh oh deadlifts from iraq is uh bad or what whatnot right like not good for bodybuilding but you know what's interesting is it depends like for example if you're only using the rack like let's say for example you're saying you're not deadlifting necessarily from the floor you're kind of doing like dorian yates if i had to envision what you're talking about where he's doing deadlift to like almost shin level but he's keeping it moving he's not it's not a dead stop is that right Correct. Yeah, there is no dead stop. I don't use the safety bars. Right. Um, I actually I learned that movement from him and the reasoning behind it made complete sense. So right. that's why uh, I implemented it also in my routine. See, that, that makes sense. See, and where I was going with this was if you're using the rack simply, because if you look at Dory Nates, how he was doing it, his first rep, he picked up the deadlift from the floor. Mm -hmm. But if you use the rack and just use it just for that initial rep to avoid some fatigue also, because it's easier to plates put plates on the bar from a rack than having to do it from the floor we know this anybody who's listening who's in bodybuilding or training seriously knows that that's probably one of the most annoying things is having to put the plates on with the barbell from the floor like you got to lift the barbell and then you got to slide the plates on but if it's from a rack then it's obviously a lot easier less fatiguing so if you just set it up where the um set up the bar or the rack sorry where it's just for that first rep and then you can do it like how you're mentioning keeping the right. constant tension you're not doing a dead stop there's nothing wrong with doing deadlifts from a rack you see what i mean right. but people right. want to just box these things like smith yeah. machine is bad or uh they're cheating or they're not as good as free weights 
Like, I just find it's everything is context specific, you know, you need individual specifics to make such a claim, right? Correct. And now we know a lot more. And the research is suggesting that there is no clear winner between machines and free weights, you know, in terms of stimulating the, the muscle. Uh, I think Dorian uh, used to do it off the floor because back then he didn't have a rack. Oh, right, so, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. so, but if you see the later videos where he, when he's actually training people, uh, that's how they do it. You know, they are in a rack and they uh, lift it off the um, the supports and then just do the, the exercise. Yeah, makes sense. Why, why would you make it harder for yourself unnecessarily? Correct. Yeah, Correct. yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. I love that. So let's break this down. So before when you were training four days per week, that was before the prep for world the world championships, correct? Yeah, that was the prep for uh, turning pro. That was the prep for turning pro. And basically it was the same thing just without the hamstring and glutes day. Without the glutes day. Right. Or uh, and, glutes so basically, so basically what happened is I added glutes in my uh, training Okay, so now doing quads, hamstrings, and glutes would have been too much of a session. Got okay? it. So I split the quads and glutes in one day, and then hamstrings, uh, calves, and abs in the other session. Mm. So that's what. I, that's why I had four training sessions, and then they became five. Uh, yeah. I Previously, I was just doing, you know, quads, hamstrings, and maybe calves in the same session. Okay, that's understandable. So it's basically just a full leg day before, and now you split the leg day. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. And as far as like, how are you for? What are you focusing on? For example, when you're doing a specific exercise, like, are you big on to making sure you feel the muscle working? Because I know some people, they're like, I don't care about the muscle working. I only care about, am I making progress with the numbers and the, i.e. the weights and the reps and the technique is good. Cause you can have good technique, but not really focus on anything internally. You know what I mean? Like you could literally have great technique from a viewing point. Like someone's watching you're like, wow, that mm -hmm. looks very good, but they might not feel anything because they're not focusing on maybe the area that they're trying to work or their, maybe their cue is a little off or basically what the outside and the inside is maybe is not lining up to what the person is trying to do even for an example. So with you, what are you big on? Like making sure you feel like if you're having a chest exercise, like the goal is chest, chest and triceps day. Are you making sure that you feel your chest working with all, every rep, every exercise that's important to you? Yeah. So I will. So the, the approach that I do for uh, exercise selection and then execution, um, yeah, it's mainly uh, it's mainly this. So I pick an exercise where I know I can load. Okay, I am stable and I can uh, progress in that way. I know that in time I'll be able to load. Uh, uh, the exercise uh, so that's the main thing so then uh, if I okay now I know what I can do in terms of uh, exercise selection the second item is okay focusing on the muscle so focusing on the contraction am I uh, feeling um, the target muscle fully engaged mm. uh, and then I look at okay now let's look at the form and execution uh, like record yourself taking video and um, make, make sure that uh, your your technique is 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 good as you feel the lat or whatever muscle that you're targeting um and then uh, the, the tempo uh that i like is usually explosive uh on the, the contraction so the concentric phase and then controlled um and and slow uh not too slow about like one two seconds on the eccentric phase um and then yeah that's 
mainly main that that's the reasoning that I um, my approach to um, to ex, uh, exercise selection and then execution. Okay. Uh, for example, if an, an exercise is intrinsically unstable and you won't be able to load as much, right. uh, it's not going to be part of my routine. One example is the standing shoulder press. Okay, that's not part of my routine because there is so much of um, keeping your core stable and your hips and uh, and everything as you're performing the shoulder press that is going to take away from actually focusing on the um on your on your delts and you know front delts that uh doesn't make sense to me you know um, so if i'm targeting something i want to make sure that i can really target that muscle and progress over time right. uh, and without adding too much again fatigue on some other areas on my uh cns and uh and, and things of that nature some is good but um too much is gonna lead to impair your recovery and then uh, that translates into impaired progress of it right no that is understandable especially the shoulder press example because again from your engineering background you'll you'll appreciate this but and you know this but for the listeners a standing shoulder press if your goal is delts bigger delts people will use the argument oh with standing you might be able to handle more load yeah but what's taking that load if that's actually true too what's going to be the thing that's helping you the most well given the fact that from the shoulders down. So if we look at like your trunk, your hips, your, of course, your uh, feet. And if you're using any sort of, and depending on the technique, obviously, let's say it's strict though. The biggest torque or the biggest moment arm is to your feet from the standing barbell press. If you just sat down, that puts more emphasis on the shoulders and less of a juggling act of other things having to work and be involved. So Great. Even if that's true where you have to use less load, it's at least more of the load is going to your shoulders and less is being dispersed throughout your whole body, right? Yeah. It's not how much you, uh, in bodybuilding, it's not about how much you load, it's how much it gets into the target muscle, you know. That's why I do, for example, uh, side raise, it's usually seated. And people don't do it seated because, well, I'm not able to lift as much weight. Yeah. Why do you need to lift as much weight? You know, you're targeting the shoulder. You shouldn't expect to uh, move things around too much and, and then moving that weight into the hips and to the other areas that are not really um, your your interest. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. If you if you did two strict exercises, one was standing, one was seated for the lateral raise, and great, you did more standing simply because you added more joints to help you in the process, then it's just more joints helping you in the process. It's not the actual right. delts that's getting more of the stimulus. And that's where people make that mistake. But if you did it seated, of course, then you don't have that uh, problem. Again, assuming you're doing it strict, both were strict too. Actually, if both are strict, technically speaking, if both are strict, you should be able to handle more seated. Yeah. Yeah. And you tend to start cheating toward the end and because you can swing a little bit and then, uh, but if you're seating, it's more difficult. Um, It's, um, let's say you're picking dumbbells. uh, It's much more difficult to cheat. Uh, if you're like, for example, uh, laying on a 45 degree bench yeah. uh, and then performing uh, dumbbell uh, curl, then doing a standing, right? Because you might add that swinging component. Yes. You see that and all then, the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great point. Yeah. It turns into like a cleaning curl, like, you know, like the clean and press, they're using their legs and they're using everything to, again, goes back to the shoulder press example. What's helping yeah. you lift that load? If it's not all coming, if it's not directed specifically from the elbow, yeah. of course it's, 
every exercise is using a lot of muscles to there's no there's no true isolation of one specific muscle because all the muscles have to control all the joints to remain still even if it's strict but right. but it can immediately yeah exactly if you're moving the joints like actually moving your knee knees and moving your hips that's very different than everything is strict and all the muscles are helping to keep those other joints still that are supposed to be still so you can focus just on moving the elbow and that's where seated becomes more beneficial than standing i think if that's the goal right Right. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. So let's uh, go back into your training for uh, a moment here. So we talked about what you're focusing on. You have like an order of, okay, you like to make sure A, the exercise is stable. Uh, you can really load it. You can progress it well. And it's not, uh, it's not, it's basically directed to the goal specific muscles. So based mm -hmm. on the reasons we discussed, then you'll look at making sure that you're feeling those areas work to an extent as well. That's second, right? Let's talk about the fact that like, for example, rep ranges, what, is there a specific rep range that you prefer more than another or is um, it on the movement and the exercise? Yeah. Over, over the, the, the years I found out that, uh, for upper body, um, six to eight, 10, 10 reps, uh, works well. Okay. Um, for my arms uh, that, uh, I need to increase that maybe 12, uh, 14, um, just because I get a lot of, uh, joint stress and you know, tendonitis. Okay. Uh, both so sides? I try, you know, I, uh, yeah, both sides. Yeah. Especially on, when I do curl curls and, um, movement of that nature, uh, triceps too. Um, yeah, ideally six to eight, but, um, sometimes you can't because, um, as the load keeps going up, you start developing, um, pains and aches that, uh, are not really necessary. Uh, and then for legs, I, I tend to be a little higher, uh, 15. Uh, on some exercises, I might go up to 20. Uh, and some exercises, I take it back to 10, 12 reps. Okay. For example, barbell squats, hack squats, 10, 12 reps. Uh, leg presses, I, uh, I, like, I like more reps uh, on those. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, I get a better stimulus uh, when my the, the weight is lower uh, and I get uh, more reps. So, so it's kind of a mix. mix. Yeah, yeah. But the good thing is that we know that rep range now is much wider than we used to think. That's true. Uh, so if I'm in the off season, I like it at six to eight reps because I get also stronger. Yeah. And that in times allows me to progress with loads and reps. So that's why. But um, to, you know, some, with some 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 exceptions. Right. With the uh, going back for a second, the deadlift. Do you like to put them on leg day, back day, or the glute day? Which where do you fit those? Uh, so partial deadlifts I do uh, uh, on back day. On back day. And uh, I do more of uh, hamstring focus. Uh, RDL when I train my hamstrings. Got it. So with the back day deadlift, it's you're allowing knee bend to occur, but you're stopping at about mid shin, or is it actually at like where do you stop the deadlift? Is it like mid shin uh, level with some knee bend? Is that how it's how you're? Uh, doing? I don't really look at uh, yeah, I don't really look at where my wrist is to to my shin. Okay. Uh, um, and also I don't look at when people do it. I don't look at that because they have the limbs of people is. You know, so different and yes. torso. You know, it's. Uh, I look mainly at the uh, my chest position 
Um, I for myself, I like to stay a little bit uh, above perpendicular, or let's say parallel to the floor, a little bit above that. Um, if you can go fully parallel to the floor, you know, the better. Lots of tension on the lower back. So if it starts bothering you, you know, just limit it a little bit. Um, uh, so that's what the the main thing that I look at. Um, and then when I do the RDLs for hamstrings, it's definitely like a little lighter uh, in terms of weight, uh, but I try to emphasize the uh, hamstrings. So I really put a lot of tension on those. Yes. Uh, and lately I found that uh, using a Smith uh, machine helps me with that. So. Oh, interesting. So so it's, it's different. So in the back of the day, I would do like a barbell free, free weight and then for hamstrings, um, um, Smith machine, um, some Sometimes I use the um, what's it called the, the pit shark. The pit shark, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that was good too. So some dumbbells as well. But the main focus is hamstring. So the exercise changes slightly. Okay. Um, yeah. And on the back, they for the deadlifts. Do you do them first in the workout, or do you like to do them near the end, like Dorian did? Yeah, like Dorian. And the reason is the same that he had. It was to uh, no loading as much because right. it's uh, a kind of dangerous exercise. So if you approach that toward the end, uh, you're 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 fatigued. Okay. Uh, and you don't need that much load because your back is already tired. Um, so you can get much more stimulus without the uh, added uh, side effects of putting too much load and, again, stressing the CNS and risking uh, getting injured and all right. that. So, so, again, the main reason is bodybuilding. Yes. We're doing bodybuilding. So, my the, the principle of specific, the specificity is always in place. You're trying to stimulate the muscle with the minimum amount of uh, fatigue and stress. Right. So that's why it's not toward the beginning. I'm not a power lifter. I don't need to focus on improving my right my my load and form and lift as much weight as possible. That makes complete sense. And what are some of the? I, I just this is more curiosity for me. But in that sequence, like, are you doing uh, like three, four exercises for your back? Then you do yeah. the deadlifts. Then you do the biceps, or is it biceps then the deadlift? Correct. Yeah, it's I will do. Uh, I will do three four exercises for back and then deadlifts and then biceps. And then bi okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Then okay. And, uh, what's the load? What are some of the loads you're doing for those deadlifts after ha fatiguing yourself? Like you do your pull downs or pull ups or whatever exercise yeah. you do your back. What's some of the loads on the deadlifts at the, or where are you at now? For example, with that, uh, right now, like, um, just finished my season, uh, probably will use, uh, 315 for like 14 15 reps yeah yeah um but off season uh usually 405 455 on oh, the fours too that's crazy so if that doesn't yeah. tell you like for people who think that oh pre because it's kind of like a pre-exhaust or pre-fatigue you can say it's exactly pre-exhaust yeah. so and people think oh you can't it's going to really negatively affect your loads well mm -hmm. You adapt and you progress and look, you're in the threes and the fours. So yeah. that shows you that you can adapt to, you can adapt. Let's put it that way. If you, if you put your mind to it and you look, look at it as a positive and it's going to help you, then you will adapt to it and you will see how it can actually help you in a positive way. I've noticed positive benefits from doing the, that order as well, not only for back, but for other exercises like pull down or pull over, pull down, uh, pec fly or, or I, I, not pec fly, a true pec fly, but like, a, um, I use like cuffs and I put them here. 
and I'll oh, do I press. So it's a single joint, more single joint. So it's like, I really only feel chest. And then I'll do my dumbbell presses. Like those types of things really help me to feel the muscle. And I can load it really well, heavy and progress long-term with that too. So what's your experience though? Is it just for the back or do you do it for other exercises as well or body parts? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, focus on thinking the movement as just a tool, you know, weight is just a tool, the, the focus on execution form, the weight, if you take care of this, these things, if you think as a bodybuilder, then the weights go up, right? Naturally. They go up naturally. Okay. But if you stress too much on, oh, I cannot lift as much, uh, you know, doesn't, I don't, cannot put a lot of iron on this equipment, then it's, uh, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna eventually stop. Uh, and not progress anymore yeah do you do that for other body parts though where you'll pre-fatigue as well like yeah. do you legs i do it uh, leg extension and then i move into my compound movements nice uh, again i'm not gonna be able to lift as much but it's okay i don't i don't care about the weight i just yeah. care about the stimulus that i get um, um yeah and then uh, shoulders uh this year uh, i did that pre-exhaustion as well because i started with my lateral raises and then i move into the um, pressing movements uh, i don't do it so much on the chest uh jump straight to the um chest press um but you know uh mainly yeah pre-exhaust um yeah i do it on the back because i do a pullover which exhausts your lats without um putting a lot of um stress on the biceps right okay. a machine mm -hmm. machine pullover yeah yeah that nice. machine that's my yeah, favorite yeah. one of my favorite if not my favorite exercise is that machine pullover it's like a roller coaster for me i love it yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a roller coaster yeah. it's, it's one of the few exercises for the upper body machine specific that just fits me like a glove depending on the design of course but for most the ones that i've access to i'm like that's one of the few upper body exercises that i can fit mm -hmm. into very well i don't know if it sounds like because you're implementing it it's the same for you yeah 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 De definitely needs to fit with my uh biomechanics um otherwise you don't that's do not that. gonna be part of my routine yeah. yeah yeah since you're from italy do you like techno gym yeah yeah i like techno gym yeah, yeah. i used to work out with techno gym equipment back then yeah. so that's actually the first equipment that i was using was techno gym so. okay yeah because they that's very popular in europe techno gym yeah techno gym and then i use the panata that is getting popular panata. in the us too right uh, have a completely different machines um what do you guys have access to? What do you have access to now in the States? Uh, the gym that I go to is Body Shop Fitness, and uh, they mainly have um, Arsenal Strength. Oh, cool. That stuff is, I haven't used it, but I've heard pretty good things about it. I haven't even analyzed it either, to be fair, but from what I've heard, some positive experiences. Yeah, yeah, good machine, good equipment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the techno gym. I'm not going to lie. Like, and we, that's all there is in Europe because I'm in uh, Holland, right? And uh -huh. all there is is to anywhere you go is techno gym. I wish I had more Nautilus, Cybex. That would be nice, but because that's what I'm used to, to be fair. Yeah, Hammer strength. Hammer strength. Prime fitness. Uh, I would like to use. Um, uh, I saw and heard very good things about that brand too. Uh, Panata. I want to try the new line. So the the yeah the, the companies are coming up with uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good uh, good equipment yeah 
Yeah, the yeah. Nautilus, the main uh, main machine. Love those. So. That's the number one. Yeah, number one. Yeah, because they used to design them with the. In, they had in mind of okay, let's try to load as much the uh, long length. Yeah, the nitro equipment specifically, some of the yeah. Cybex, and the Prime equipment has the cams that uh, technically where you can adjust it. Right. Yeah. I mean, ideally, one of those probably makes the most sense. Right. But yeah, it depends on what the goal is, of course. But that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially Prime because they have like three three heights that you can place the plates, and then then you can just have full load at the long length position, which is ideal. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's why I wanted to try that, but uh, not, I didn't have a chance yet. Right, 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 right. The um, pullover machine is that a Nautilus one that you have access to, or is it a Panada? Uh, in the gym, the, the other gym that I go to, um, we have both the Nautilus and uh, and the Hammerstrength. Oh, cool, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I go play switch between the two sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Do you have you ever tried the Medex equipment? Which one? Medex. Yeah. That's also uh, it's an extension of what Arthur Jones started with the Nautilus. Uh, then it turned into Medex. They had a line of Medex equipment. No, no, no you never tried it. That doesn't sound. Yeah, doesn't sound familiar. Oh, okay. That's yeah. apparently really good stuff. I've I've used it. It's really smooth. Really nice. Uh, but anyhow, what's next for you as far as goals? What's the next step? What are you looking to do as far as competition is concerned? Uh, I think I'm going to uh, focus now on. Uh, take a relatively longer uh, off season since I competed every year for the past three years. Uh, maybe I have a year off and develop the areas that I want to grow, uh, and then yeah, come back uh, better and stronger. And uh, we'll see. You know, hopefully, hopefully I'll get that uh, world's title. So, so that's the so. That's the main goal. Yeah, but worlds. Yeah, worlds. Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna take a year off? Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, I think so. You have a year off, and then I evaluate the shows and the timing, um, right. how I feel, and uh, yeah. But right now, I'm focused on improving. So improving. Fantastic, yeah. man. Well, listen, Augustino, this was a true pleasure. I really enjoyed our conversation. It was fun to dive into the training and dive into some of the competition history and the next steps for you. I'm sure the listeners are really going to enjoy it. If they want to get in touch with you, what's the best place they can reach you? And if you have any closing statements, anything you want to share, please do so. Yeah, uh, yeah. likewise, I had so much fun too. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, maybe we'll have another session and uh, in the future. I uh, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, my main uh, platform that I use is Instagram, Russo underscore training. You can find me there, message me. My email is agostinorussotraining at gmail.com. Yeah, and the uh, closing statement is, uh, yeah, be consistent, progressive overload, and uh, be analytical. Track and measure everything. And that I think those three things that are going to help you so much in the future so and uh yeah thanks awesome thank you so much for joining us i again really enjoyed it for the listeners make sure to check out those links in the description in the show notes where you can reach out to agostino for any questions if you want to get in touch with for training or anything about the podcast that's where you find it make sure to share tag us on instagram if you enjoyed the episode check out the longevity muscle youtube channel subscribe because it does help grow the channel and the show and please leave us that five-star review if you're listening on spotify or itunes or if you want to write a review that's even better 
because it really does help grow the show and puts the episodes in front of more people. Thank you. Thank you once again. And until next time. Bye.